Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in on episode 15. This series is where I chat with a diverse group of Whistler kids who grew up in our small Canadian mountain town. From actors to Olympians, business leaders to DJs, a lot of talent has come out of my small town, Whistler. Today, I chat with our fifth Whistler kid. Let me introduce episode 15's guest that we'll be dropping in with. His parents moved to Whistler when he was seven years old. Skiing runs in his family. His grandpa was a two-time Olympian. He has dabbled in most areas of skiing, racing alpine on the BC ski team for two years. Ski cross, when it was a new sport, he decided to give that a go, and it worked. He spent three years on the Canadian national ski cross team and taking home a Canadian national title. He also competed at the X Games, taking fourth place. Now he's known for being a free skier jumping off cliffs, and backflipping all over the world, landing into powder. I'm happy to introduce this son, brother, husband, friend, professional skier, proud puppy owner, and Whistler kid, Stan Ray. Um, did you get a chance to, to look over the little bio I did for you? Yeah, did you get my email? About your bio? Yeah, I sent you one this morning. No, I didn't yet, because I was I, I asked you, where should I meet you for this? And then I'm like, oh, whoops, never mind. It's on Zoom. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> that was pretty funny. I realized it right after I sent you the email this morning. Yeah, I sent you two pictures. Sweet. Yes, I'm looking at it now. Oh, my God, that's the best skiing photo ever. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh yeah, and then the bio looked great. Okay. Wicked. So I do that in post-production. Um, but Stan, I start the podcast off with 10 rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Is okay. it yes or no answers? It no. doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> it's, it, I say it's rapid fire and then it never ends up being rapid fire. It always leads into more fun stories, but that's fine. I'll rapid fire them. Number one, skiing or biking? Skiing. Number two, cats or dogs? Dogs, for sure. And you just, just got, got a, a new puppy. Oh, he's the best. What kind? Blue. Uh, sheep a doodle. A sheep a doodle. Sheep dog poodle. No Mixed. way. Yeah, he's okay. awesome. Cute. Number three. No one can see you on the podcast, but I can see you. Beard or no beard? <laughs> you have beard. a beard right beard. now. <laughs> beard. Beards are good. I'll go beard. Oh, so how long does it take you to grow that thing? Like this? Yeah. It's like, three months? for our listeners, it's like quite Three long. months. Three months. Three months of it, growth. This is like terminal length. It doesn't get much longer. It just grows maybe <laughs> out a little bit, but it doesn't go longer. I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number four, favorite drink? I mean, water's pretty good, but a hazy IPA is pretty delicious too. Nice. Nice. Number five, book or Netflix? Oof. Netflix. And then follow up to that one. What was the last Netflix show you watched or movie? Oh, God. I watched. What was the movie called we watched last night, Kels, or two nights ago? That's what happens with last, Netflix. La, last show I watched was Money Heist. 
Oh, my dad told me to watch that. I haven't it's, watched that it's, yet. It's kind of, I'm not a huge, it's dubbed over. It's a Spanish show and it's dubbed over. Yeah, I heard that. That usually really bugs me, but the storyline's so good that it, it doesn't bug me. Oh, interesting. Money heist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number six, Switzerland or Whistler? Switzerland's beautiful, but Whistler's better. <laughs> Thank you. Number seven, what's your biggest pet peeve? Biggest pet peeve. I'd say when someone leaves the toilet paper roll fully empty or maybe like one sheet and then they don't replace it. It's so annoying because then you go in there and then you get off TP. <laughs> That's my biggest pet peeve for sure. Okay. Kelsey does, it, Kelsey does it all the time. Oh, no. Is she right there? <laughs> yeah, she's right there. She's <laughs> like, you're like, but it's not enough for him to poop. And that's like, what do you need toilet paper for? <laughs> I'm going to keep that in there. <laughs> the lovely great. wife chiming in. <laughs> all right. Number eight. What's the biggest injury you've had and how did it happen? Um, I partially tore both sides, like my, my groin and my lower abdominal. And it happened at Blue Mountain Racing Ski Cross. It was a, we just came off X Games, which was like the biggest course I've ever skied in my life. And then Blue Mountain's like the smallest hill I've ever skied in my life. <laughs> and I overshot this, it was a double single suck and then into a jump. And I overshot the double, landed on the backside of the triple, kind of bounced right into the compression of the takeoff of the next jump and then went off on my back and landed super high on my shoulders. And I like whiplashed super, like my pelvis whiplashed super hard. So it like opened up. Brutal. Winded, nutted. It was, it sucked. And then I couldn't walk cause I couldn't move my legs and I thought I was paralyzed, which was super scary at first. And then I was able to wiggle my toes. I'm like, okay, I'm not paralyzed, but why can't I lift my legs? And it's cause my groin and lower abdominal were all, Torn apart. Dude, I and remember hearing I didn't walk that. for two months. It sucked. I was bedridden. Brutal. Yeah. And that was at the end of your season, wasn't it? That was at the end of the – well, no, it was middle or of the season. Middle of the season, right, right, February. Right. We went to Europe after that, but I didn't. I just stayed in my bed. Played for two months. Watched Netflix. <laughs> Hard. <laughs> Dang. I remember, I remember that. I remember hearing yeah. about that. I feel like I saw it too. Or is there like video yeah. or photo? Yeah, it was during the World Cup. Okay. We have a photo. I posted a photo. Well, not, actually, not too long ago, I think. Wild. Yeah. But sucked. you you survived and came back. And next question uh, answers that you're okay. How many backflips did you do last year? Oh, actually, less than previous years. Okay, then how many in your life? <laughs> but it's still, I still, uh, I can't. No <laughs> way I can count that. I can't even tell you how many I did last year, but less than previous years. But, but what's probably, less for our listeners that have probably never done a backflip? Before? 30. 30. I did 30 last year. What was the biggest one? Maybe 40. Uh, up the Rutherford. It was, I was actually pretty young, and I was trying to impress people. Um, I was filming with Willers, and it, it, there was like five centimeters of snow on crust. Oh. And I hit like a 70-footer, backflipped it. And I backslapped it pretty hard, but that was the biggest one I've ever done. How does that feel in the air, like a 70-foot one? Just like slow. I think it's the coolest feeling because you're literally like falling through the air and you're staring at the ground the whole time, which is why I kind of like it. I actually almost am more confident in backflipping something if it has a good takeoff. Yeah. Than straight airing it because straight airing, you're staring at the ground doing nothing, just like waving your arms or backflip. Yeah. You're 
looking at the ground the whole time. Crazy. It's a cool feeling. It's oh. kind of funny though, because I'm kind of like a scaredy cat when it comes to jumping into water. Like I won't jump anything higher than like 25, 30 feet in the water. So you haven't been to loggers and done that rope swing? No, I have. <laughs> okay. How high is that? I feel like that's really high. Yeah, it's not that high. Oh, okay. Maybe 30, yeah, 35, 40, All which right. is quite big for a rope swing. Also gnarly. Anyways, <laughs> I digress. Number 10, Whistler or Blackcomb? This, I tell, this is the answer I give everyone, Whistler, so everyone stays off Blackcomb. <laughs> oh, you're a Blackcomb kid? Yeah, with Robbie Dixon, Buzz Blackcomb Ski Club. No way. You might be one of the, fir- the first Whistler kids that I've had on that is a Blackcomb kid. Well, you haven't had Robbie Dixon on yet. I haven't. I should have yeah, him on. He was, uh, I was Blackcomb Ski Club, and then I was only there for two years, and then it switched over to Whistler Ski Club. The good I'm mountain. I love Blackcomb. Fair. I'm totally a, fair. I'm I love Blackcomb, too. I love I'm a skier, too, though, and I think Blackcomb is better for skiers. Not as good for snowboarders because there's a lot of traversing. So much traversing, but yeah. the park's there and the pipe is there. That's true. All right, that was the rapid fire. Ten questions. You made it. Thank you. They weren't super quick, but <laughs> no, but that's the, quick. the listeners get to know a little bit more about you, which is the whole point of it. Um, right. But now I want to get into what the whole premise of this series is. You moved to Whistler when you were seven, as I said in the intro, and you're a Whistler kid through and through. You, if you're not on some kind of like mountain, you're. I feel like you're not living your life right now. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> what, uh, like, what do you think makes Whistler kids so successful? Not only just in the extreme sports industry, but we've had actors and producers and singers and songwriters just be like so successful. I think it's just a uh, one we have like a small town community, and everyone's so tight knit, and everyone feeds off everyone. Doesn't matter if you're pro skier, pro skateboarder, a singer, songwriter. I feel like. Um, it's really easy to ex- try and excel and do the best you can because everyone around you is, even if you're like not even doing the best, like, and it's crazy being in Whistler because the athletes in Whistler are so mm-hmm. talented and you could go mountain biking with like Joe Blow that you don't know and he's like blowing you away because that's just the skill let's set and level that's, that Whistler and Whistler is. It's crazy. But how do you think that level got to where it is? Because if people come say people are in Ontario and they're mountain bikers in Ontario or Calgary and they come out to Whistler, that level is completely different. If you're doing like a green in Ontario, it's like nothing we have here. Our greens are probably almost blues or blacks to them. Our our blacks here are like triple blacks over there. Um, Yeah. I think it's just, people move here and then they make friends with people that are here. And a lot of people are that good. Like even Kelsey's a good example. She's from Kelowna. She's an okay. okay She's your wife. Biker. Be nice. Be nice. But she was an okay <laughs> mountain biker, but then she comes biking with me and she bikes a lot with Brit with which Brit is a really good biker. And you're, you're bound to get better hanging out with people that are better than you. Yeah. That's, that's like, like, that's kind of why I got to where I am free skiing mm-hmm. is because I was like, you go up the mountain and you're like, oh, you're sitting on the chair with like Ian McIntosh or Dana Flair. And this was on like, I'm like 13 years old. Mm-hmm. And all these people I look up to are skiing the mountain and you're skiing with them most of the time. Like you're waiting in the 
Spanky's lineup with him. And then yeah. you get to see a run with your idols, even though you're not really skiing with them, but you're following them down. Totally. I think, I think life gets normalized and you're like your idols become your friends, which For is sure. I, like growing up here, I guess. Yeah. You are just surrounded by people that are here to push the limits and, and try things. It's so yeah. crazy, isn't it? But it's so cool to see too. Cause like you said, it's not just in sports. Um, yeah. Like Ali Milner, uh, Merritt Patterson, like they excelled in acting and singing. And it's, exactly. it's kind of cool to see that it's not just sports, too. Allie Milner's the one, the episode right in front of you. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we talked about it, and we were just trying to get to the bottom of it. And every person that I've interviewed, Peter Harvey, Jenna Romanen, Natalie Morrell, everyone has come up with a different reason as to why Whistler Kids become so successful. That's awesome. And, it's, and it, it is awesome because it's yeah. not just one thing and it's the same no, for, for everyone sure. across the world. Like it's, you're going to be successful if you put the hard work in. Yeah. And but you I have put the hard work in. But I think you're surrounded by people that are putting hard work in too. I like That's that. Yeah. yeah. So you grew up in Whistler. Is there anything from your childhood that like brought you into skiing? Uh, I mean, you're – your career has been amazing and following it has been so cool to see everything that you've dipped into. Is there anything that like, I don't know, when you were in elementary school, you were like, yep, I'm going to be a skier. It is what it is. Or is it your family that no, obviously your I, grandpa I, was an Olympian? I knew that well. But I could, yeah, my grandpa was actually my biggest idol. And like ever since I can remember, I'd say since I was four, I knew, well, I didn't know I was going to be a skier. I wanted to be a skier. Um, yeah. I wanted to be a ski racer and go to the Olympics like my grandpa. And that was my biggest dream. And that was super hard to let go of when I was 21. And I'm like, Oh, you know what? I can give it one more shot in ski cross. And I did two years of ski cross and I actually loved it, but I kept getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of, I was kind of over it. Obviously ski cross is gnarly though. Yeah, for sure. And I'm a smaller guy and it's easier for me to get pushed around. And I just kept getting hurt and I had a lot of concussions racing. I know you know all about those. Um, No fun. And I was kind of questioning, like, should I keep racing and try to go to the Olympics? Like, that was the only thing I felt that I was hanging on to was the Mm -hmm. Olympics. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really enjoying the sport as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just always loved free skiing. I love skiing, not just turning around gates and going over jumps and stuff. But again, it is, a, it is a lot of hard work, what you do. And a lot of people that watch your videos and watch everything that you do probably don't understand how much work actually goes into getting those shots. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's for sure. And so and like, can you just give an idea of like what that would be? Like how early in the morning you wake up or if you go and check that space out the week before or in the summer and see what's available? Like, can you give our listeners the inside scoop? For sure. I'm actually like, you made a good point too. It, it does take a lot of work. And when I was a kid, I remember going to like my movie, like ski movies. I'm like, oh man, that'd be so fun. You get to go skiing with all your buddies. And, and then I actually became a professional skier and it's, it's still a lot of fun, but you're not, skiing it's not as rad as much. people. <laughs> you're not skiing all that much. I know. But people are like, oh man, you're so lucky you get to ski for a living. Like, yeah, I'm, I am lucky. You're not wrong, but on a good pow day when you're doing 15 runs, I'm doing two runs. Exactly. Uh, it is a lot of work, especially in the spring. Cause in the spring we try to get early morning light and a lot of the times in the afternoon it gets too hot. So we wake mm-hmm. up at four sometimes to be the trailhead at like five thirty in the morning. 
-hmm. and then we go to zones that get light at certain amount at certain times of the day and usually those zones we go and scope them out like a day or two before and see how the snow is um and hope no one pillages them while you're right that's a thing too and like the further you go the more likely you are that no one's going to be there yeah that's why like the early mornings going up the hurley is great because the hurley is so big and to run into people there is less likely than let's say anyone yeah when you were younger growing up did you ever foresee yourself like honestly we had whistler and blackcomb mountains awesome epic mountains to ski on did you see yourself ever going into our backcountry i mean it wasn't super when we were younger it wasn't really something that i thought about all the time i didn't i didn't think of it that much either i just thought i I was more thinking like oh man it'd be cool if i went heli skiing in alaska right and then you go to like and now you probably know our backyard better than anyone yeah and our backyard is pretty awesome that's why that's why it's like it's i'm traveling less and less lately Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I don't don't even feel that bad because I actually like being home and not being living out of a suitcase. And yeah, realistically, when the conditions are good, we have some of like the best backcountry skiing in the world. I think. I know it's so funny. I remember when I lived in Mammoth Lakes, and and uh, Chris Benchetler and Kimmy would they would they would stay home and film sometimes out there. And now it's hilarious. It's like a vi- vice versa. They they now come up here. Cause they love our backyard. It's, it's so rad. And it's, there's so much to explore that when I was little, I never thought that I would do as much as I did. I haven't done that much. You've done way more, but even yeah. just to get back there is so cool. Oh, the first time even going up the pattern ice caps, I didn't even really know they were there. And you're like, Holy smokes, this is yeah. like so big. And you don't even know it's back there. Cause yeah, yeah. you haven't gone. That's yeah, really cool. Um, now let's talk about family. You've got two sisters. Sure that do. You grew up with in Whistler, one younger, one older. And I was they're both at, young. They're both older. They're both older. Well, one's older, but one's they're both older than me. I'm the young one. You're the youngest. Yeah, sure am. Oh my gosh, I'm yeah. so sorry. Ray Bands. Oh, I, I should know when they're born, but I don't. 80, Olivia's I 83. Say, no. 83. Olivia's yeah. 83. Minnie's 86 and I'm an 88. Oh, you're so young. Yep. I'm 32. <laughs> Shoot. So how was it having two older sisters in Whistler? It was it, Once we got to Whistler, it was good. When we were younger, like in living in Switzerland, they would treat me as their dress-up doll, which wasn't <laughs> a, but What changed? Living, living in Whistler was great because they like paved the way for me. There were two girls and they got into more trouble than I did because I was a good little boy ski racing <laughs> and it was yeah, so did they ski race? no they well they did a little bit but not when they moved when we moved uh yeah when we moved my olivia raced a little bit in switzerland and then when we moved she stopped racing and same okay. with Minnie, and they both started snowboarding oh they came to the dark side yeah they skied here for like two years and then snowboarded I still hey yo good timing mid 90s I'm uh, I'm pretty sold on uh, on not snowboarding. Uh, have no. you ever snowboarded? Yep, I have. It's not it, your jam. It's pretty fun. No, it's pretty fun. And pow, it's pretty fun. I'm I love pow surfing. That's there you a lot go. of fun. There you snowboarding, go. Snowboarding, snowboarding's great time. 
Definitely. All right. Anything else that you can think of being a Whistler kid that gave you a one-up on being in the extreme sports other than really having this being surrounded by influential people that were pushing the limits? I mean, our backyard is also a huge advantage. I think like the hill we have is, is so awesome. You can go from I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a beginner or an expert. You, you can mm-hmm. always get better and learn um, and push yourself on the hill. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's a huge advantage. And also living, you know, I'd take the bus or you can, I could walk to the hill in like 10 minutes. Totally. That's also a huge advantage. Our backyard. Um, it ain't a bad. People, a lot of people have to get their parents to drive them to the hill when they're kids, where we were able to take the bus for like a five minute bus ride and be at the hill. It wasn't like a huge hour and a half ordeal. Easy access. We're spoiled. That's right. We are spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> we did talk about Natalie and I talked about how um, we definitely took advantage of the views when we were little. Like, oh, no, we sure. didn't take advantage of the views. We're just right. like, whatever. And uh, I know you've traveled around the world a lot as well. Is there a, a mountain around the world that you prefer more than Whistler Blackcomb or? No. No, I. Uh, well, no, no. Easy answer, no. Easy answer. At this, I would say the ski, same. Ski resort, no. Mountain, well, yeah, probably no, probably no. Yeah, I do like I. I do. People ask me if if it wasn't Wizard Black Home, what would it be? And I, what what's your answer? I want to know before I tell you mine. Chamonix is pretty amazing. Oh, see, I've never been to Chamonix, but I yeah. do love Japan. The, oh, Japan's unreal. <laughs> but, it's only unreal. See, I haven't really been to Hakuba much in the like oh, yeah. the Japanese Alps, and I think that would uh, maybe change my, change my perspective. But the powder mm-hmm. there is unreal. But it's so it's light, mostly, mostly tree skiing. Oh, it's yeah. so light, and it comes in like the truckloads. Yeah, so yeah. rad. Oh well, I've uh, I've been there four times now, and I've never gotten it bad. I think I've kind of got a little lucky, but it's been unreal. I only got it bad once, where it rained, but. I've been like, I don't even know how many times, Yeah, too many to count, but yeah, just skunked once, but that's fine. But the yeah. best view I think I've ever had, I've gone up to the Tantalus twice now and that, that place no. is magical. How did you get up there? We flew, we flew in. And did you flew ski in. it? Yep. Uh, we flew in, the second time I, we didn't, the snow was horrible. We went okay, there, so we camped out, and then the first time we went out, and then we went and we stayed at the cabin for two nights. So, for our listeners, if you don't know what the Tantalus Range is, it's when you're driving up the Sea to Sky Highway to Whistler. It's on the left hand side, and it is one of the most gorgeous mountain views that you will ever see. I think. But the best view is actually from up there. It's unreal. Yeah, I couldn't whole- imagine. <laughs> Well, you see Whistler Blackham, you see Black Dusk, you see Diamond Head, and then you look to the south and you see the ocean. And it's like, you see House Sound, you see the ocean, it's like the yeah. sunset up there, getting shivers talking about it. It's, it's, it's breathtaking. It's unreal. I think when, did the, you, when did you go up there? When was that? I went um, two winters ago and four okay. winters ago. That's like yeah. a bucket list. I wonder if it goes when we skied it. Oh, that was a bucket list for me for sure. My mom was actually going to marry some people um, up there. A couple of years ago, but the, yeah. I think the weather came in, which uh, happens quite often. I, I think up there. Whistler weather, classic. Yep. A lot of downtime. What would you do in your downtime? Netflix. <laughs> I've really got into baking over COVID too. I've been 
we got Dre actually got us into baking bread and he gave us a, a, a mother. Do you have a, a mother, mother of sourdough? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we've been, well, I don't buy bread anymore. I just make sourdoughs all the time. We've just made one this morning. Wild. Yeah. COVID. It's teaching us a lot of new things. I, I, I especially, I'm, yeah. Again, for me, I feel like, well, you know what it's like to have a concussion. I feel like COVID is the same as having like concussion downtime, but I know what's going on. Yeah, I, I did find it hard and I still actually find it hard to get motivated to do things. I have like projects I want to do and I yeah. haven't really gotten around to do them yet. <laughs> get that checklist out. Netflix, Netflix, bad distractor. It is a bad distractor. All right, Stan, thank you so much for dropping in with me. My takeaways, obviously, I said them earlier, um, being from a small town, small community, and being surrounded by kind of our idols, I guess, or people that we looked up to that were pushing the limits, pushing extreme sports, um, and literally sitting on the chairlift next to them and being like, yeah, let's do this together and make it even more extreme. (laughs) Yep. I would like to get up and see the Tantalus view. Thank you for that one. You should. It's amazing. Okay. I'd highly recommend it. <laughs> Very cool. Stan, thank you for dropping in with me. And uh, anything else you want to add about growing up in Whistler? Yeah, how fortunate we were to be in such an amazing place and with such incredible people. And it, it's, it does rub off on you growing up with your idols with people you look up to and most people you meet here are here to have fun and live life to the fullest. And I feel like um, that rubs off on the community and it's quite fortunate to live in such a beautiful and place with so many activities. I know we're very lucky to be Canadian. I say sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and live, well, I'm glad live out, live out West too. The West is the best. Yeah. We, I like to say that we, um, we work to play. Yeah. And that's how it works. Well, thank you for the insight on everything. I think our listeners learned a lot more. And thanks for dropping in. Awesome. Thanks for Drop in next Thursday as we chat with our sixth Whistler kid. Want to see more images of these Whistler kids? Head over to at Dropping In with Mercedes on Instagram. Thank you, DJ Kenosis, for the music and my mom for the intro voice. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. 
Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. <laughs>